Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. Oh, you guys did such a great job. I know a few people were scared away from the rain, but that's okay. We're going to have a great service today. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside. We are so pleased that you're with us this morning, whether you're here in person or part of our online audience today. It's great to have you here. If it's your first time here or you're a guest with us, we would love for you to stop by our table in the foyer before you leave because we've got a couple gifts that we would like to give you. We're going to give at the end of our service. We'll give more information there. You can always give uh, the old-fashioned way, dollar bills, checks, but you can also give online at Hillside Assembly. Org. And again, we'll do our offering at the end of service. Hey, we want to have cover a couple other announcements, but to do that, we've got our special friend Jeb with us. So let's hear what he has to say this morning. Good morning! We're glad you're here at Hillside. And hey, I see Adrian Granados here this morning. It's great to have you back after you've spent the last two months in Colorado serving with YouthWorks. I'm sure that Adrian would love to share about his experiences, so make sure you ask him about that after today's service. We'll also set up a time in a future service for him to share with us all. I want to thank all of our helpers that helped with VBS. It was a great success this last week. And how about that AG Express Kids Worship Team? Woo! They could shoot, scoot, and boogie, I tell you what. They'll be leading part of our worship experience on Sunday, September 12th, so you won't want to miss that Sunday for sure. Speaking of great Sunday morning worship experiences, we have a real special Sunday next week. We're going to have our tent service outside, followed by our church picnic barbecue. It's going to be great. We're providing the barbecue pork sandwiches and the chips, and the chips. But we need your help if you could bring some side dishes and desserts to share. There are four other areas where we need help to make next week a success. Here's the four areas where you can help us. One, after church today, we need to stage a bunch of our stuff down in the lower level so we're ready to go for next week. If you'd like to help, just see one of our leaders, and I'm sure they can find a place for you to serve. It should only take us about 20 minutes. Number two, next Saturday at 9 a.m., we need four people to help us set up our stage tent. It should only take about 20 minutes, and that's next Saturday at 9 a.m. We'll see you there. Number three, Next Sunday at 8 a.m., we need all the help we can get to set up for our service underneath our tents. We're going to be setting up tables and chairs, our worship equipment, our games, all sorts of stuff. So come on out at 8 a.m. next Sunday and serve! Finally, and the most important one, we want you to invite someone to come to our special tent service next Sunday. We want them to be our guests. We want to share the love of Jesus with them. We want to build authentic, healthy relationships. But for that to happen, 
Well, well you need to invite somebody. I know I'm going to invite somebody. I'm going to take one of those really fancy invite cards Miss Anna made, and I'm going to give them away, invite people to come and hang out with us. You should do the same. Well, that's all I've got for announcements today. I'm looking forward to next Sunday. It's going to be great. And I think I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Eric before we launch into worship today. Bye! Well, it's time for us to get ready to worship, te uh, worship team. If you would come up. Last night, uh, boy, that was some rainstorm, wasn't it? I mean, it poured out. It saturated everything. You know, this morning, Jesus is here in this place. And he's ready to pour out into your life. And you've got a choice to make today. Because Jesus is going to pour out. And we can all go home wet, or we can choose to tilt our cup, and we can go home full. Who wants to go home full today with what God has for you? Church, would you stand to your feet this morning? Katie Worthing, would you come here this morning? You guys met Katie? This is an awesome woman of God. Her family has had a very rough season. They've had a lot of loss. COVID's been tough on their family. And this morning, Katie's great uncle is in the hospital, dealing and struggling with COVID. Collapsed lung. They're not sure if he's going to pull through. But we serve a big God. Katie, I don't know about the outcome. There's only one who does. But what I do know this, God will never leave you or your family. He walks with you. So church, would you stretch out a hand this morning to this amazing young lady of God? And maybe you're struggling this morning too. Maybe you have family issues you're going through. We're going to pray for you as well. God, we know that you're going to pour out your spirit this morning in this place. And God, we pray for Katie as she turns her cup over, as she tilts towards you, that God, you would pour out your spirit, not on her, but in her. Lord, we pray for Rick in the hospital this morning. Lord, we pray that that lung, that would be a miracle that takes place. God, you only know. But Lord, you are a God who is capable of healing. You are a God who is capable of sustaining us. And I pray that that power would be unleashed in Rick's life, in Katie's life, and in Katie's family's life today. That through this whole season, that God, these circumstances and situations are not pushing her further away, but God, they are pulling that family closer to you. God, move in this place. Lord, we pray for our church family this morning, here and online those in need, those who are hurting, those in need of a miracle, God, would you do what only you can do? Lord, we turn our cups to you now. And Lord, we are prepared to be filled by your presence, by your word. In Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, Amen. let's worship together before we hear the word today.
your hands together as we play this introduction again. Let's worship him this morning. Great in splendor. Great in splendor. Lord of everything. Worthy is your name. up to declare your wonders as people everywhere sing praises to the one who saves us through his blood he gave us life and now we come everyone praises to the one who saves more than able, more than able, always faithful friend. Worthy is your name, bright and blessing, glory turning again. Worthy is your name, all creation, all creation rises up to declare your wonders and people everywhere sing praises to the one who saves us through his blood he gave us life and now we come everyone praises to the one who saves us through his blood he gave us life and now we come everyone now let's sing hallelujah Saves us through his bloody game. 
Let's praise him this morning. Offer up a shout and clap offering of praise to him. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing one more song in just a second here. But I just want to say a couple things before we sing it. I have a question, actually. What satisfies your thirst? I love the illustration that Pastor Eric gave this morning. You've got to open up your cup. You have to be emptied for God to fill you. Most of you know I work at UPS, and there's several days that are hot, and I get real thirsty on the job. <laughs> and a lot of times I take a drink of water, and I think to myself, oh, this tastes so good. Uh, have you been to that point where you've just been so thirsty? It's like, oh, this tastes so good. That's where we need to be with God because the only thing that satisfies our thirst is a relationship with God. We're going to sing this song here called All Who Are Thirsty. Let's continue to invite his presence into this place and let him continue to fill you this morning. All Who Are Thirsty.
Lord, we thank you that you're here this morning. Thank you for the word that you're going to share with us. And Lord, it's not to tickle our ears or to make us be able to check off something from a checklist that we came to church, we listened to the sermon today. God, the reason you're speaking to us is to produce fruit in our life. God, we don't want to leave here the same as we came in. Lord, we talked last week about talk is cheap in the kingdom of God. Actions and fruit matter. So God, we want to be changed. Help us, Lord, to not only hear your word, but apply it today. Lord, as we transition to the preaching of your word in the kids' church, God, may your spirit be with us. May you help us to do what we need to do with the word you give us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And I think Jeb needs to say one more thing to us. Well, do you know what time it is? It's time for Kids Church. All you kiddos, get up on your feet and go meet Miss Jackie in the back of the sanctuary. She's ready to go downstairs with you guys. And everybody else, let's give these kiddos a cheer. Come on, let's hear it. You can be louder than that. Woo! See you kiddos downstairs. You guys are going to have a great morning. I'll tell you what, our kids' worship team did a phenomenal job at VBS. And like Jeb said, they will be doing part of our worship experience on September 12th. So I am looking forward to that. We'll also have some other special guests with us uh, actually a few weeks in September. We're going to be doing some really neat stuff uh, the first Sunday in September. His house is going to be with us. I'm still preaching, uh, but they are doing a tour with their students to check out churches. We are number one on the list. So we're going to have up some some great care packages to give our college students to let them know we love them. They're going to have a great year here in Ripon, and we're here to support them. So some great things to look forward to. Uh, one quick thing before I get into preaching, uh, we found out uh, Friday evening that Adrian Granados is graduating from college today. Uh, and so you might see some people leave here in a little bit. They're not leaving because they're, they're offended by the message. At least I hope they're not. Um, and if they are, God will deal with that. But uh, there's some people that need to get to that graduation. It's at 11 o'clock. And so uh, we wish him all the best. So he'll be here next week with us. Uh, at least I hope he's here next weekend because he gets married a week from tomorrow. So I'm hoping he'll be here uh, and we'll be able to, to talk with him about his trip. And then we'll set up a Sunday for him to share about his missions endeavor uh, out to Colorado. This morning, we're going to go right back into the book of Mark. The title of the message today is From Figless to Faithful. We're going to recap really quickly where we were last week and where we were on Wednesday night because we all need to be on the same page going into today's message. Because if you don't, you're going to be lost. And so I want to recap this in a meaningful way where we were last week. So let's go back to our scripture, Mark chapter 11. We're looking at verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seen in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, Jesus went to this tree, fig trees uh, in Israel. Uh, they bloom at least twice, sometimes three times. So you can get up to three crops from a fig tree every year. Because a fig tree has leaves does not necessarily mean it's going to produce fruit. 
This ties to us spiritually because while the tree had a season for its fruit, you and I are always in season when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We're to be ready in season and out of season. Jesus inspected the tree and it had leaves. It was alive, but it did not have fruit. So what is the fruit that we're talking about here? Well, we find that in Galatians 5, through 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The leaves of the tree represent beliefs. The tree had beliefs, but it had no fruit. Do you have belief but no fruit in your life? We then see a transition in the scripture. I won't read it this morning for the sake of time. But Jesus then enters into the temple area where people are going about their, their, their checklists. They're arriving at the temple. They're praying. They're going through all these different things. But there's some issues. There's hearts that aren't right. And the fact is, is they've got all the beliefs that matter, but no fruit in their life. Jesus is frustrated. And we talked about the importance of the church having character, having integrity. And when we have character and integrity, we have credibility. But when we lack in character and integrity, we have no credibility to our community. We'd use the example of, of that group that went out to the dog park out in Oshkosh during the Christian music festival when the sign clearly says, no camping in this parking lot, parking only for dog walkers, and it was full of RVs. Why, and their, their, their statement to me was, why should we believe the church when it comes to they want to be all about law and order if they're not willing to follow these simple laws? And in that moment, the church lost credibility for these four people. But then we talked about grace and the importance of grace. We'll talk more about that today. Let me illustrate this in a little different way for you before we get into today's scripture. This last week was VBS, and it was, had this train theme. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could tie this all together? And so let's do this. Imagine for a moment if your beliefs and behavior were a train track that you were going down. One railroad tie symbolizes our beliefs. This is our doctrine, our values that we have about family, marriage, and the social issues that are happening all around us. Those are our beliefs. The second railroad tie is our behavior. This is the fruit of the Spirit, character, integrity, all those internal things that Jesus was looking for, not only on the fig tree, but the people attending the temple. When belief and behavior run parallel to each other, we have beliefs that are also in line with the fruit of the Spirit, and we're showing love and compassion, grace and mercy. When we're motivated by the Spirit to be authentic with the people we do life with, those things run together, and we can grow and accelerate down the track spiritually. But when we still have, when we have beliefs, but our behavior is not attached, when it doesn't run parallel, there's a huge problem. Because what would happen to a train running down the tracks that all of a sudden look like this? It's going to get derailed. We will derail our spiritual growth. This is where we see churches that begin to die out because there's no fruit. There's no life. They're dying. This is where people get judgmental, critical, harsh, mean, 
They call themselves believers, but there's no fruit in their life. And not only did they harm, when, when your tracks don't run parallel to each other, not only does it harm your spiritual life, it also can begin to harm those you love in your life. It affects your marriage, your relationships, your workplace. It becomes a huge problem. So let's continue with the scripture now. Let's look in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 20. This is the next day. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Here's the interesting thing. When, when, when people spiritually die, it always happens at the roots. They can have a leaf problem. They can have a fruit problem. But when you spiritually die out, it's a root problem. Sorry, it can be the leaves or it can be the fruit. When you spiritually die, it's a root problem. There's something wrong deep down inside. Verse 21, Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believe that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So your father in heaven may forgive your sins. So we're going from figless to faithful today. Let's talk about failure to faith. Jesus used this moment in time, the failure of the bush and the failure of the people in the temple court as an opportunity to teach about faith. Jesus never lets any failure go to waste. Did you hear that? Jesus never lets any failure in your life go to waste. There's always something when we fail that Jesus wants to teach us. The fact is, is no one likes to look at their failures. No one likes to acknowledge the fact that we fail, both individually and corporately. We don't like to look at it. If you look at the corporate world, what happens when a company does not acknowledge its failures? They go away. They don't exist. Maybe there's a lesson for the church to learn from that. We know that everyone fails, but we don't like to look in the mirror and acknowledge when we have failed. We fail at times to produce the fruit in our life that we should have. We can have the big checklist and do all the things that we've got on our spiritual checklist, come to church, go to a Bible study, say all the right things, have all the right belief systems and values, but if we don't have love, what good does it do us? If we don't have peace, what good does it do us? Because it truly has not changed us. Because when the word of God changes you, you start to produce fruit internally in your life. And Jesus is looking for fruit, not your leaves today. Failure happens. But Jesus never runs or avoids failure. Look in the Gospels. 
There's people failing all over the place. His own ministry team fails, but Jesus never runs from it. He never denies it. Jesus confronts failure. And when Jesus confronts failure, he doesn't show up with a ruler in his hand, tell you to stick your hand out and whip you. No. Jesus stretches out a hand of grace. Every time we fall down, Jesus is there to pick us back up. Peter jumps out of a boat in the middle of a storm and water. The other 11 disciples are going, this dude's crazy. He's walking on the water and he's all good until his focus goes off of Jesus and onto the situation and the circumstances, the storm and the wind, and he begins to sink like a rock. But Jesus has a hand extended out to him. We all fall down. Jesus is ready with a hand to help us out. In fact, Peter's known for failure. I mean, one of his biggest ones is he failed Jesus three times in Luke uh, chapter 22. Denied Jesus three times. It's kind of amazing that the church defines Peter by his mistakes, but that's not how Jesus defined Peter. Jesus defined Peter by his restoration and redemption. So guess what Jesus does for you? He doesn't define you by your inadequacies. He doesn't define you by your mess-ups and mistakes or your failures. He defines you by his redemption. And he calls you child of God. He calls you brother and sister in the kingdom. How good is our God? How amazing is our God? You guys need to get a little more excited about that. Because God could look at us and go, you guys are a bunch of losers. Forget this. I'm starting this whole thing over. But he doesn't. He's invested in your life. He doesn't define us by our failures. And if Jesus doesn't define us by our failures, maybe we ought to stop defining our own life by failures. And maybe we need to stop defining other people by their failures. How does our conversations go all the time? You see something on the news, and what's the first thing that you say out loud? Does it have the fruit of the Spirit attached to it? I'm just saying. Where are we really at? Are we fooling ourselves? Because I bet, in all honesty, if we really were truly to look inside of our lives and be honest with the Holy Spirit, none of us are as spiritual or as holy as we think we are. We need the help of our Savior. We need the help of our Savior. We're the people who know Jesus and we need help, and he's called us to reach people who don't have a clue they need Jesus. How much more so do we need to be desperate for God to help us produce fruit that's meaningful in our life, church. Come on. I want you to say this. I fail, but I'm not a failure. Come on, you can say it. Ready? I fail, but I'm not a failure. Some of you need to not only say that, but believe it. You are not a failure. You are a work in progress. Peter had the courage to confront his failings. Church, we need to have the courage to confront 
our failings as individuals, as a church at Hillside Assembly, and as a church culture, where we failed God, where we failed our community, where we failed our neighbors. We gotta be okay with, with facing up to that because we can do better. Let's talk about fruitful prayer. As we go on in this passage of Scripture, uh, Jesus continues to use this as a teaching moment. Verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw, your, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes in what they say, it will happen. It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Too often, the verse that, verses I just read are taken out of the context of the entire chapter. And the church becomes disillusioned. Believers become disillusioned with this passage of Scripture. This scripture implies that the fruit of the Spirit is in your life. Sometimes we feel like prayer, and, and don't get me wrong, prayer changes everything. Prayer is so vitally important. But sometimes we view prayer as a charge card from heaven for us to get whatever we want. Lord, make me a Formula One driver. I believe it in all my heart. It's possible. I want to tell you something. That is not going to happen. It's not. I am too old, and I never had the skills to be able to do that. It's not going to happen. Lord, I need a new car. Give me a brand new 2022 Ferrari. Jesus, come on. Bright red with black pinstripes. I mean, No. This passage implies that when we pray, our prayers are guided by the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It implies that we're praying with character and integrity and with purpose. It implies that we're a credible witness for Christ. See, our prayer life needs to be full of the fruit, and our prayer life needs to line up with the Word of God, and therefore our prayers must line up with the will of God. And sometimes where God wants us to go and what God knows we need don't line up with what we want. And Christ begins to take us down a road that's difficult. Prayer does not mean you and I get to avoid suffering pain, or frustration. Let me give you three examples. Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, men of great prayer, men who had fruit in their life. They still ended up in a fiery furnace. Right? How about Daniel? He, he literally was thrown into a den of lions because he prayed. And we get that story wrong. We say, ooh, God rescued Daniel from the lion's den. No, God rescued Daniel in the lion's den. Church, too often we want God to rescue us from it all instead of in it all. 
We're not called to sit on the sidelines. We're called to be in the game with our neighbors in our community. We're not called to avoid the mess that we find our culture in. We're called to be in the middle of the mess, shining the light of Jesus, living with the fruits of the gospel, and saying, hey, in the midst of all this craziness, it's okay, because God goes with us. Bring on the lions. Bring on the fire, because Jesus goes with me. There weren't three men in the fiery furnace. There were four. So now not only do we have a fruit problem, we got some belief problems as well because we want God to rescue us from suffering all the time. And yes, I believe God heals. I believe in amazing miracles. I've been a part of that. This last year, after being diagnosed with benign fasciculation syndrome, my body doing whatever it wanted to do, being in extreme pain sometimes, God said, I'm going to heal you, and he did. but I am grateful for the period of time that I suffered because I learned and it produced fruit in me. I wouldn't want it any other way. And don't get me wrong, I'm not excited to step back into that. I don't want to go back. But in the midst of that, I remember the point when we were going through this COVID thing, I'm praying my guts out. God, I just want to be faithful to what you're calling us to do. I know you're saying preach the word and, and, and try to figure out how to reach the lost. I'm going to step into that. I'm limited by what I have, but I'm choosing to give you everything I can give to make that happen. It's interesting. Once I said, God, I'm not going to let this, this stop me from doing what you called me to do, isn't it interesting that it was only months later that my healing came? I accepted that I couldn't do some things but what I could do, I was going to give to Jesus. God still moves in powerful ways. But we've got to understand our prayer life needs to line up with the word of God and needs to line up with the plans and the will of God. And sometimes God's plans and our plans aren't the same. How many of you know most of the time they're very different? They look extremely different. But that's not a sign that God's left us. It's a sign that God's in control and that he wants to produce something greater in you. We like to say, the, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, God's promises are yes and amen. We like to say, God always answers with yes and amen. That is not scriptural. God's promises, what God spoke, will always be yes and amen. Not what Pastor Eric spoke, not what Anthony speaks, Come on, F1 driver, come on. No, no. Paul wrestled with God, 2 Corinthians. He said he had a thorn in his flesh. Three times he asked God to deliver him from this pain in his backside. And listen, I love how the Holy Spirit works because when Paul wrote about this, he didn't tell us what it was. I don't know if this is a frustrating neighbor or frustrating mother-in-law. I don't know if he's diagnosed with some type of disease or cancer. I don't know. You don't know. It was private between him and God, but it was something that he suffered with. And three times he wrestled with God and said, Lord, take this thing from me. And God said, no. 
and says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Our brokenness sometimes, our hurts and pains, our inadequacies, our, our, our inability to do some things, sometimes it's exactly what God put in our soup pot for our life because it allows God to be God in and through us. It develops fruit, church. Paul needed this suffering in his life. These type of things produce greater fruit, produce a better follower of Jesus, produce a better minister, a better servant. And it makes us better at bringing people and connecting people to Jesus. But too often, we just pray, God, get me out of the mess I'm in. Instead of praying, God, what are you trying to do through the mess I'm in? I wonder what would change if our prayer life changed a little bit. When God says no, do you still have the tenacity to pray for the things that you know God wants to do? There is no doubt in my mind that these two things God wants to do, I can find them in the word of God over and over and over again. God wants people to get saved. God wants to continue to grow and change your life with him. Yet these are the two things that we probably neglect most in our prayer life. But they're the two things that we know for sure Jesus wants to do. Number three, forgiveness is required for effective prayer. At the end of this statement that he's making to his disciples, Jesus says this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Jesus speaks sometimes like I preach. Or maybe I'll put it the other way. I preach sometimes like Jesus speaks. Like the points, like I, Hannah, I love Hannah so much. Sometimes on, when she comes into the office, we talk about the, the week before service, and she goes, I was like, I didn't know where you were going to go and how you were going to connect those two points together. This is like one of those moments where Jesus is talking about being fruitful, talks in about these amazing prayers of miracles, right? And then he goes, and forgive when you're praying so I can forgive you. It doesn't seem to tie in. It seems like it's like left field, like we were going this direction and then Jesus is over here all of a sudden. What, what's happening here? Well, maybe it's because sometimes forgiving people can be like a mountain having to jump into a sea in our life. Forgiveness isn't always easy. Every person here this morning has been, is, or will be hurt by people in your life directly and indirectly, in small and in large ways. Some of the people in this room today have experienced trauma in their life caused by an individual or a group of people. Some of you have been messed up by people, messed up by people who claim to be followers of Jesus. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't. That's not for me to decide. Some of you have, have been torn up and messed up by churches that went down weird, weird belief things, and like, you know, like, hey, we're gonna be, we're gonna like 
get spirit-filled, we're going to go out. This is a big thing in California in some churches right now. They go out to grave sites of men of God or women of God, and they sit on them, and they soak in the spirit. I'm like, dude, I don't want anybody's spirit but Jesus. I'm not wasting my time at a grave site because the only thing there are dead bodies. Uh, if I want to spend time with Jesus, I'm going to open the word of God and spend some time worshiping and soak in what God has because he's pouring out, right? I know some of you have been hurt. I know in this room, there are those who have been physically assaulted by individuals. And I want to personally say, I am sorry that that happened to you. It shouldn't happen. There are people in our room today that have been emotionally, verbally, verbally, physically, and sexually abused. I know that to be true. It's not right. And I know it has left some serious scar tissue in our lives. Some of us here have been wounded by a friend. Let me give you three quick things and a few illustrations to help us get this, and then we're going we're gonna to close our service. One, forgiveness does not justify a person's actions that hurt you. When we talk about forgiveness, it's not saying what happened to me is okay. No, no, we're not saying that. Forgiveness is about you finding freedom and life again. See, the devil would love to call you a victim the rest of your life. But the thing is, is when you forgive, you're no longer a victim you're empowered by the Spirit to move forward. Forgiveness is not for the benefit of the offender. When we forgive somebody that hurt us, it's not for their benefit, it's for mine. Because until I get to the point of forgiveness, there is fruit that's growing in my life, but it's bitter, it's rotten, it's sour, and it's poisoning me. And like a cancer, it will continue to grow and grow and grow and squeeze the life right out of me. So choosing to forgive, that takes that cancer out of my life. Number three, it's a process. Forgiveness starts with a choice. But then walking it out is a process. And sometimes it's messy it can be emotional, it can be painful, and it can take time. And that's okay. It starts with a choice. You can start today by saying, I'm choosing to forgive, and then it's walking that out. Yes. And in the midst of that, it's, it's messy and we trip up, but if we continue to move closer to Jesus, if we're like Peter and we, we could just keep our eyes on Jesus and not the storm, we're going to get it figured out. And you're going to wake up one morning and go, wow, the, not only have I said I'm forgiving them, not only did I decide to forgive them, but I truly know that inside of me, I have forgiven them. But you've got to work the process. My biological dad passed away a few years ago. We had a very rough relationship. My dad was abusive in some ways. He was definitely, definitely manipulative in some ways both to family, but also to people. In fact, I'll share in a few, few uh, weeks, in, and I think it's in September, uh, we're going to have a class in the mornings. I'll share about this. I, I actually hated the church because of what I, the fruit I saw in my dad's life. He was an Assembly of God minister. I wanted nothing to do with the church. I 
nothing to do with ministry. But you know what? God had other plans. The last few years before my dad died, we had some very tough conversations. Said some things that were absolutely hurtful to me. We didn't talk for a while. But God began to stir in me to forgive. And we restored that relationship. Now, I'm not saying it was great, but we restored it. I also did not allow my dad to just walk over my life and continue to abuse me either. I set boundaries, healthy boundaries. But I can tell you today, I, I live with forgiveness. There is no ill will towards my father. And I'm glad that we were able to restore that before he died. I'm coming up on 25 years in ministry here shortly. 25 years, I feel old. I think my hair just turned gray when I said that. 25 years in ministry. When you're a pastor, you got to learn how to forgive. Because this position is a place where you get wounded. Don't, don't be like, oh, that's not why I'm sharing this. I want you to know that I understand and I relate. One of the things that's tough for pastors is, and this is the truth. I mean, we, we, we can deny it and make up all sorts of stories, but the truth is, is not everybody is going to be like, this is the greatest church ever. If that was it, we'd only have one church, right? Everybody would go to one church. And not everybody is a good fit for certain church cultures. And so, so as, as we move forward as a church, there will be people who come that are new and there'll be people that go. And that's difficult. It's hard as a pastor. One of the things, one of the experiences I had is someone left the church. They went to a, a new church and they said some very hurtful things when they left. But I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take that personal. I tried not to take it personal. I'm not going to lie up here. Some of it I, I did. <laughs> and I had to work through the forgiving process. You know, when somebody goes, you know, you're just not spiritual enough for me, that, that hurts a little. I'm like, okay. But they went to a new church. But their new church and their new pastor does not visit them in the hospital when or do, doesn't do visitations at all. So every time this person's in the hospital, I get a call to come visit them. And I go every time. And I sit in that room. And for a half an hour before I can pray for them, they tell me how great their new church is and how great their pastor is and how spiritual he is. And then I sit there and I pray for them. And I, in that moment, muster up some faith, even though it hurts. Even though every time I feel like I get wounded. And as I leave that hospital, every time on my way home or to my next appointment, I start wrestling with God. Lord, I'm doing this because you asked me to, but it hurts. And I don't want to have bitterness in my life. It's hard, but it's doable. And I'm going to tell you straight up, if I did not work forgiveness in my life, I would be so miserable, so horrible. My marriage would be disastrous. My relationship with you would be horrible. You wouldn't want me as your pastor. And not that I am like some great guru of forgiveness. I'm not. I got to work it, and it's a process for me. I'll end with one more story from my personal life. Years ago, I had a partner in ministry. It's one thing to get bitten. Jesus called a sheep. Sheep bite sometimes. 
And it's one thing to know. That's why, that's why shepherds carry a big stick, by the way, because sheep bite. <clears throat> More on that next week. Um, I had this partner in ministry. We worked together. We were on staff together. It's one thing to get wounded from the other side of the pulpit. It's another when you get wounded from the same side. We were called to serve the same pastor, to serve the same church. We had a lot of friction in our relationship, and I, I tried so hard to build a great relationship because deep down in my heart, I wanted my partner to succeed. I wanted him to be successful to everything he put his hand to. I wanted that, and I tried my very best to serve him. There came a point in time where a ministry opportunity became available for Pam and I. We talked to our lead pastor, and we decided we would put our name in for this ministry opportunity. It seemed like a good fit. We were excited about it. Our, our current senior pastor was excited about it. It sounded like the church was excited about it, district leadership excited. Everything seemed like it was going together. What I found out is that partner in ministry had called someone on the pastoral search committee at that church and had lied about my character and integrity, had said that I totally uh, did everything I could to undermine my senior pastor. I got to let you know, there was one thing when I was a staff pastor, always get your pastors back. It's not my vision for the church. It's God's vision through my lead pastor. My job is to take it and make it come to fruition. I was so wounded. I was so hurt. This was the guy who was supposed to be my partner. And I'll tell you, we had it out. <laughs> and it was ugly. We ended up going different ways. I ended up staying at the church we were at. I'm so grateful now that all that happened because if, if, if it hadn't, I wouldn't be here today with you. And I was meant to be here with you. You guys have blessed my life so much. You don't know how much you guys have healed things in me. But that had to happen. But my wife would testify to this. After we moved here, we lived in our apartment. I was down in my garage. And I wept and wept and wept and cried snot coming out of my nose. I don't even know how snot was coming out of my ears, but it was coming out of my ears. I was crying so hard for this partner I had in ministry because I longed for him to succeed. I long for him to be made whole. That guy, as much as we butted heads, I'll tell you today, I love that guy. And the only way that could happen is through forgiveness. Amen. Worship team, if you'd come back, straight up I'll tell you this, forgiveness is hard. When we can resolve a relationship, we should try to. I want freedom for you because I've experienced the freedom of forgiveness in my own life, church. Sometimes, sometimes you got to forgive and let go. Abraham and Lot, they forgave each other, but the relationship was never the same. They went in different directions. Then you look at Paul and Barnabas from the New Testament. They had a big ministry blowout. They still served God still loved each other. And in fact, it's never really talked about, but we know from a few things that eventually that relationship was reconciled. It took a long time, probably took years. 
This morning, if you've got a sister, a brother, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a family member, friend, neighbor, boss, co-worker, church attender, pastor, you got to let it go and forgive. you got to start working the process. And if you can restore that relationship, I encourage you to do it, especially, especially if it's, it's family. I prayed for Katie's great uncle this morning. Guys, we never know. We never know when God's going to call us home or God's going to call a loved one home. And you don't want the last thing that you said to be bitterness between you. If you and your spouse this morning on the way to church got into it about something, make it right. Because you just never know. You never know. Look, I want to have effective, powerful prayers, but guys, to get there, we got to work this stuff in our life. Church, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you this morning. There's a lot we could pray for today, but I want to pray specifically for this in the area of forgiveness. Let's focus in on that before we go back into worship. God, we mess up all the time. We got fruit in our life that sometimes is good, sometimes bad, and sometimes we're like that tree and we've got no figs. But we're called to live a fruitful life. Lord, we face that reality today that we're not perfect. We need your help. We want to pray, God, in a way that's led by your word, led by your will, and led by the fruits of the Spirit inside of us. Lord, we know that the, one of the big things, the reason that you turned this whole thing and went to forgiveness is because forgiveness can kill out the fruit and the life in our life. When we don't forgive, it's bitter, it's poisonous to us. There are things in each one of our lives today, big, huge, and small, tiny, insignificant, that God, we need to forgive Lord, help us today to process that, to begin today with a choice. I choose to forgive. And as we walk out of this place, we begin to walk through the process of actually forgiving. We, we wrestle with our heart and our flesh. We, we wrestle with you in the convicting of your Holy Spirit. And we begin to work through whatever it takes to get that bitterness, that anger, that frustration, that scar tissue out of our life so you can begin to heal us, make us whole, so we can be more effective in the kingdom. Lord, I love you. And as much in my life as I've been wronged, it pales in comparison to God, how much I've grieved your heart. Yet you forgive me. So I know it's possible to forgive those in my life that have hurt and offended me. I make the choice today to forgive. Lord, as we begin to make that choice corporately across this place today and online, as we begin to let go and say, I'm going to let forgiveness in, Lord, would you begin to move and fill us with hope and love and grace and mercy and empower us to be the people we're called to be. 
Lord, we want to worship you now in spirit and in truth, letting go of all the garbage, and Lord, lifting our hands to heaven to let our cups be filled by you and your spirit. Church, would you worship with our team this morning?
coming through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. Every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go, Lord. You never let go of me. Just one last time, you never let go. No, no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm. thankful that he never lets go of us Thank you, Jesus. and it's Thank all you, Jesus. because of his amazing Thank grace you, God's grace is so amazing I don't know where I'd be without God's grace and I'm sure you can say that same thing this morning as we end our service we're going to sing that song this is amazing grace breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king of all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory Oh, let's sing it out. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be. you've done for me who brings our chaos back into order who makes a orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross.
words I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Come on, He's worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. All that you've done for me. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for that grace this morning. Well, is anybody going home with a full cup today? So we get ready to leave. Uh, we're going to do two more things. We want to pray over our offering. So if you've got your tithes or your offering with you, if you'd pull that out, because we're going to pray over it. We're going to have you drop it in the box at the end of service. Before we do that, though, I have one last thing that I need to share with you. I'm a pastor who doesn't preach a word just for you. I preach a word for us. One of our core values is that the word is about its application. Sunday... Last Sunday, this Sunday, has really gone deep in me. And as I've been processing that with the Lord, last week I had said, words in the kingdom of God are cheap. We've got to have some fruit to back it up. Church culture has failed our communities. That's reality. We've been praying that all summer long. We've been praying. We've been, God's been stirring in us and showing us through this whole message series we've been doing for over a year. But we've done some things wrong, and God's calling us to make things right. I shared today in the message that when you're wrong, we've got to be willing to, to say, hey, we failed and face that. So on Friday, as I sat at my desk working on this message, well, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, grow some figs. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to offend you by that. Grow some figs, grow some fruit. And if you know in your heart that the church as a whole, not just us, but a church as a whole could have done better in this community, then you need to tell the community that. I wrote the following statement that will be released in the paper and online this week. We followed the trends when we should have followed Jesus. 
Sadly today, the church is better known for its political stance than helping the poor, feeding the hungry, helping to heal the broken and the hurting. It's time for the church to look like Jesus. It's time for the church to be known for love and compassion more than rhetoric and judgments. We were wrong. We are sorry. Please forgive us. Hillside Assembly. Let's live it out. Church, I just took a statement as your pastor saying I believe in you and that we can do better reaching it, loving and serving our community. Because we don't do it alone. We're doing it all with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's take our offering. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to have our cups filled by your word, by your spirits. God, we're called to be producers of fruit, and we are on mission. This community needs people who represent your kingdom, and you have called us to step up to the plate and to do so. Lord, it is with great honor, it is our privilege to serve you. Lord, help us because we cannot do it on our own. We fail, we fall short, and we need your grace, your mercy, and your empowerment to show people the fruit of the kingdom. People aren't interested in leaves. They're interested in fruit. God, help us to show who you are. And Lord, let us not be just be people of words, but people of action, people of servants' hearts, people of love, grace, mercy. Help us, Holy Spirit, convict us. And Lord, as we give in our offering today, Lord, may this offering be special. Lord, it's not about the money in these envelopes, checkbooks, or what we give online. But Lord, there is a part of it that says, Lord, our checking account, we invest into the kingdom because we believe in the kingdom of God. We believe in the kingdom of God. It's not just another thing for us to check off our to-do list. It's an honor and a privilege to invest into the kingdom. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, bless those who give, bless our ministry partners, and bless those in attendance today, here physically and online. In Jesus' name, amen. You can give to the Lord in the box in the back of the foyer. I love you, church. We'll see you next week. If you'd like to help us set stuff up today, we'd love your help. You can talk with Jeff or Dave. You can also talk with Jackie downstairs. We do need to move some tables from a room up here downstairs. Um, next week, Saturday, 9 a.m., we're setting up the small tent. And then next Sunday at 8 a.m., we need your help to set up for the church picnic and service. Invite someone. That's what these are for. Don't leave here without one of these. God wants you to invite somebody to come so they can fill their cup up. Amen? Amen. Let's do this. I've talked enough. Let's go do life today. Good morning, guys.